Hello, mummers, and welcome to episode one in our Feeding Our Babes podcast series. Today, we're chatting all about the best ways you can prepare yourself to breastfeed. Enjoy. Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with Hello, mummers, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. My excitement is always real at the start of a new podcast series, but today we are talking all about breastfeeding. This entire podcast series, which I've named Feeding Our Babes, is going to be incredible because I know I get so many questions about breastfeeding, and I've only ever done one podcast series on breastfeeding, which was actually one of my first ones way back in the day, and it still remains one of the most downloaded podcast series. So I know this is a topic that women want to know about, and I found the person I wanted to talk to about, and her name is Jolene Windus-Pay. You can find her over on socials at jwp.care and she is what she calls a holistic lactation consultant. So she is a midwife, naturopath and internationally board certified lactation consultant. Jolene is passionate about supporting pregnant and breastfeeding families and she leaves her clients feeling calm and more confident in their breastfeeding and mothering journey. She offers in-home consults to mothers who are located in Melbourne and she also supports all over the place via telehealth. So you can get in touch with her at jwp.care if you want to learn more. But I'm really excited to bring her on the podcast because I think her unique professions really tie into this well-rounded picture of how we can support mums to feed their babes. And in this episode today, we're talking all about preparing yourself best for breastfeeding. So we cover the best ways to prepare yourself for breastfeeding, including the importance of hearing and seeing a wide variety of other women's experiences, the importance of getting to know your own breast and nipple anatomy. So we talk about self-touch and self-massage. We talk about how the nipples and breasts change during pregnancy, how to care for your nipples during pregnancy, whether you actually need to buy anything to support breastfeeding. And then we talk about pumps and bottles and the hucker and things like that. So that's a really interesting chat. Definitely stay tuned for that. We also talk about why you can't just rely on the hospital suspension system for your breastfeeding support. And we explain why we really encourage women to go and seek out their own lactation advice and consults and education, because I think that's a really important part of it. We also cover the current Australian breastfeeding statistics, which I think are really fascinating. And again, is a big driver and motivation for why I wanted to bring this information to your ears, because I do think breastfeeding is something that a lot of women struggle with. And I wanted to be able to help women with the education and the tools and the knowledge they need to understand and prepare themselves best for this. So as always, please jump on over to at Physio Laura and let me know what you got out of this episode and maybe what you're going to take away from today's episode to help you prepare for your breastfeeding journey. Or if you've tried something in the past, please come on over to social media and share it on my podcast post for this episode today so that other women can see other tips and tools and advice that you've used in the past that might have helped you. I think it's really beautiful to share amongst the community. And I also wanted to let you know that Jolene has a preparing yourself for breastfeeding guide that you can get 15% off with the code PhysioLaura. So if you want access to that, you listen to today's episode and you're like, yes, this sounds amazing. Go and check that out over at www.jwp.care. 
And remember, mummers, as always with my series, this is one episode of a four-part series. So we have some incredible topics coming up in this series where we cover the 101 physiology of breastfeeding. So we talk about how it actually works because that's such foundational knowledge for you to then be able to troubleshoot and understand what's going on when you understand the basic principles of how it all works. We also cover milk supply and nutrition and how you can bolster your milk supply at home on your own, easy done. And we also cover if you can't breastfeed. I think that's a really important topic. That's going to be episode four in this series. Now, these episodes are all pre-uploaded inside my online membership, The Pregnancy Posse. So if you want to listen to them all at once, jump on inside The Pregnancy Posse. I support you there with weekly workouts throughout your pregnancy, a whole range of antenatal education and birth preparation advice, pelvic floor exercises, how to exercise through pelvic pain and rib pain and all of the pains. We also have yoga and meditation and a beautiful community of mamas. So if that feels like it's calling you, jump on over to thepregnancypossy.com and you can trial it for seven days. But without further ado, let's find out how we can best prepare ourselves for breastfeeding with the wonderful Jolene. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Jolene. I am so excited to have you here. As we were saying before the show, breastfeeding is just such a hot topic that my audience wants to know about. Whenever I talk about it, people bombard me with messages like it is one of my most downloaded episodes of previous podcasts I've done on breastfeeding and I just know that women want to hear about it and so when I saw your name pop up in my sphere holistic lactation consultant I just knew that I wanted to get you on to chat to these women because you bring such a unique facet to this area like you have so many different qualifications which I want you to share with the women in a second which I think just really makes it such a beautiful experience to teach women because of all the different areas you come from. So thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. It's so great to be here and talk about breastfeeding and share a bit about my practice. Yeah, it's so great. So can you let the listeners just have a little brief understanding of what your qualifications are and how you bring them together to support women with their breastfeeding journey? Yeah, definitely. I have three qualifications. So I'm firstly a midwife. I've been doing that for over 10 years. And then I am a naturopath as well. And I also became a lactation consultant in 2018. Perfect. And so you kind of bring all these different facets together to support women from your midwifery, your naturopathy and your qualified lactation consultancy, which I just think is brilliant because I haven't heard of anyone else doing those unique professions and then blending them all in together. So I think that's really cool. And later in the episodes, we're going to talk about the naturopathy side of things and nutrition and bringing that into breastfeeding because that's obviously a huge part of it. But where I want to start is for those women who are pregnant right now, who have not had a breastfeeding experience yet, and are sitting there itchy to want to like dive in and prepare themselves as best they can. What can those women start doing now in their pregnancies to best prepare themselves for a breastfeeding journey that is hopefully smooth and successful? Yeah, that's such a great question. So I think on a really basic, simple and cost-effective level, we want to be talking about breastfeeding to any mums that we know, either in person or online. If you can actually watch someone breastfeeding and ask them about what their experience is, that's really good too. And I like to try and get you to take a range of experiences, positive and negative, and that will really help you just 
gather some realistic expectations for what your breastfeeding journey might look like. So that would be the first place you could start. And why I say that is because we no longer grow up in a village. So we're quite isolated in our families and we don't see our sisters, mothers, friends breastfeeding all throughout our lifetime. It's quite often that when you're holding a baby for the very first time that it's your own baby. So the learning curve is so steep. And I think, yeah, just start starting the conversation and asking what other mums found helpful, what they found difficult, that is a really good place to start. Yeah, I agree. Because I noticed myself when I had my first pregnancy, we did the hospital breastfeeding class. And even though I was working as a women's physio, I was even treating women with mastitis. So like I had the the cortical understanding of it all, but I didn't really get it because I hadn't seen too many people breastfeed or I maybe hadn't paid enough attention to it. And so when they were showing videos in this class, I was like, whoa, like I really understand that now. Like I needed to see it. I need to see like, this is a nipple. This is a baby's mouth. This is how they join together. And this is what is good and bad. And all of those things, I needed to really have that understanding because that really helped me go into breastfeeding my first son and having a good base knowledge because otherwise I can see how it's overwhelming because you're like this is maybe a breast I've never held before or understood before I've never touched this tissue before and this is a baby that I don't know and I've never dealt with a baby before and how are we meant to make this work and particularly then if there's problems that crop up and whatnot I just thinking having that understanding beforehand is key another thing that springs to mind in terms of when you say seeing other people breastfeed, watching other people breastfeed, asking questions, what went wrong? What went right? How did you manage it? What's your advice? Is the side lie breastfeed. This used to trip me right out. That's pretty much the only way I breastfed my third child because I was experienced by then. I knew what to do. But I remember saying to someone, can you just like show me, like, is it the top boob that you feed from or the bottom boob? Like, what is this side lie breastfeed? Because I'd just never actually seen it. And it just was something that people spoke about all the time but I was I just needed a visual demo because I knew it couldn't be that hard but I just couldn't quite wrap my head around like where does your arm go and like where does the baby go and I felt so silly for thinking this but now I'm conscious when I tell women say in the postnatal period when I'm asking them to do horizontal rest and I say if you can try and master the side life feed I'm conscious to actually like show a photo of me doing it or talk about how I do it because I know it feels like silly questions to women, but these are the questions that crop up. They're like, yeah, but how? And I think that's where the key component of like experiencing or watching or visualizing videos or in real life, seeing women actually do these things really does set you up for success afterwards. I think that's such an important facet is to like, okay, I've seen a baby latch on a boob. I kind of have an idea of how this is going to work for me. So I love that advice that you share around that. And in terms of what I said just before, getting to know that tissue, it might be the first time you've really truly held your breast and played with the tissues and felt what they feel like. Is this something that you recommend to women is to get to know their own anatomy, their own breast tissue, how their nipples look and feel? Do you recommend that to clients as part of preparing themselves for the breastfeeding journey? Absolutely. I think it's a really proactive step. I think just as you would massage your belly with a nice stretch mark oil, you want to bring that oil up to that chest area and feel the tissue. The breast tissue often will extend right under the underarm. So actually getting to know what that feels like is so important. The breasts go through such a change in pregnancy. So even if you're listening to this and you're not pregnant yet, 
feeling what your breasts feel like on a regular basis. We should be doing our monthly breast health checks anyway. But I think the more you can touch and observe and be familiar, the more comfortable you're going to feel when your baby arrives. Yeah. And you were mentioning earlier, can you just describe again how the nipples and the breasts change and what that function is for? Because I find that really fascinating for women to understand. Yeah, I love this fact, actually. So we know that the breast size increases during pregnancy for most women. And then we also see a color change in the nipple and what we call the areola. So the sort of surrounding tissue of the nipple and it becomes darker for a reason. So when your baby's born, their eyesight is not at adult capacity and they can see contrast much, they're attracted to contrast. That's why we use those sort of black and white toys and books initially with newborns. So if the nipple and areola are darker, your baby can actually locate it with their eyesight much more easily. Mm. Yeah, I think that's such a cool fact. I love breast facts and pregnancy facts and whatnot. And I used to share Friday facts on my social media. And so many of them were related to how the nipples and breasts change and how that is so that the baby can find them easier. And I just think the body is so cool. I just think it's so like amazing to appreciate and watch and observe all the things that your body does. You don't have to tell it to do that. It just does that in preparation for your baby to be able to find them. And I know myself, like I'm sure many women appreciate this, but I'm telling you, my areolas were like dinner plates. Honestly, they were humongous. And I was like, this is amazing. Oh my gosh. Like they are so clear. They are so obvious. This baby is going to know where to go to be able to find the nipple. And I know there's other factors as well, right? Like smells and the secretion of your milk, which draws the baby in. Yes. That's right. Your baby's sense of smell is actually their strongest sense at birth. So that's actually how your breasts talk to your baby is around the nipple and the areola. There's these little glands that secrete the special scent that your baby is insanely attracted to. And they'll actually smell that and know what direction to go towards. Mm, that's so amazing. I remember when I first watched a breast crawl video and I was just like, yes. oh my gosh, mother nature, like primal physiological attachment. This is just, oh, it blows my mind. It's so amazing to watch. So let's go back to the pregnant woman preparing to breastfeed. Okay, so she's gone and educated herself about breastfeeding, she, which we're going to talk a little bit about later as well, like the physiology of it. She's gone and asked her friends and family. She's gotten feedback on what's worked, what's not worked. She's touching her breast. She's massaging them. She's getting to know how they feel. She's feeling all the way up to the underarms, looking at her nipples. Is there anything else that she needs to do to care for her nipples or prepare her nipples? I know there's a few myths that float around about hardening your nipples and like toughening them up. I'm sure you've heard about the nail file and all sorts of crazy things. Have you heard about them? That just sounds torturous. Sounds Why right. would you want to do that? Is there anything else that this woman needs to do to care for her nipples or prepare her nipples for breastfeeding? So the best thing to do to be proactive about your nipple comfort when your baby is born is learning how the breastfeeding technique and latch works. Okay. Because why we run into nipple discomfort is that we don't understand how that baby is supposed to be positioned. I love the term fit and hold. It feels a bit more organic. 
Yeah. Um, so if we're not understanding that and we're not knowing what we're looking for, that's when we get nipple pain. Mm. So I more, rather than trying to be really mean to the nipples, I would rather get to the root of the cause and actually yourself with the right skills. Yeah, perfect. And we're definitely going to cover that in the next episode. So let's talk about buying things because this is something that women get very overwhelmed with because before they're having a baby, there's obviously a big list of things that they need to buy. And I feel like these days the breastfeeding list or the feeding list is humongous. So women think they need to buy cushions, pillows, pumps, bottles, all of these things. What is your recommendation when it comes to what should women be thinking about? Do they need to purchase anything before they have a baby? Is there like a few top key items that you do recommend or is it all just superfluous and you just should wait until you've had a baby and then work it out after that? This is a really good question to address. The baby business is a very lucrative market. And also when you're anxious and full of expectation in your pregnancy, I feel like buying and purchasing helps to alleviate some anxiety. So you've got to be really mindful not to fall into that trap. There's definitely a lot of things out there that I don't think are that necessary or helpful and money could be spent in other ways. What I would really think is important is having a firm bed to be sleeping. And if you're lying down breastfeeding or even reclining in the bed, you want the mattress to be really firm. Uh, And then same with your couch and your chair. So having that furniture in your house to be really comfortable, you're going to be spending a lot of time breastfeeding on that furniture. And as you would be educating as well, Laura, is a lot of postnatal horizontal rest. So we want to make sure that that furniture is very supportive of that. So I don't actually recommend a breastfeeding pillow, which might come as a bit of a surprise. My sort of preferred breastfeeding positions that I work with my clients and climbed 45 degree sitting angle and also side lying. So when you're reclining yourself, you don't actually need the pillow. You become the pillow and your baby is very stable and supported with your torso. Mm. So that's what I would say about the pillow. And then I do, in terms of nipple care, I do think it's important to have one of my favorite things to use if the skin is a little bit damaged is to use a saline rinse. So saline is just like a salty water you can get from the pharmacy. So just have a packet of that. One packet of hydrogel. This, it's a soothing gel disc that you can put on the nipple, but I don't recommend using that 24 hours a day. Too much of that can really make the skin overly moist and then it slows down that healing process. So just one packet is plenty. I think it's great to have some pads for the breast to soak up any breast milk if you're leaking. That's quite a new sensation to get used to as a new mom. It's not that you're always going to leak. Sometimes that really settles down in the first few weeks. But I do think they're helpful to have. And then in terms of a breast pump, you don't have to buy one, but research and know what you want to buy. There's a lot of variation in the market and you want to think about things like how long do you want to breastfeed for? Are you going to have more babies? Are you going to return to work and be pumping? If you think you're going to be using a breast pump for longer than a couple of months, I would recommend purchasing a hospital grade. So it's got a more efficient, effective motor. And then in terms of bottles, you want to put some research into knowing what you want to use. You don't have to purchase them, but just knowing what you want to purchase when you're not sleep deprived and you can get it ordered really quickly is helpful. Mm. And then I can't give any advice around what specific formula 
to choose. But if you did have to formula fit, you want to know what formula you feel comfortable with offering your baby. Obviously, we're trying breast and expressed breast milk and potentially even donor milk. But if you do come to the point where you need to give formula, I feel a lot of parents feel quite overwhelmed with the decision of what formula to give to their baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine that's a whole minefield. And I wonder how, like, I'm just thinking if you're first time pregnant, you've not been on this journey before, your plan is to breastfeed. That is where you're going. But I guess you're also sensitive to making sure you have backup plans and whatnot. How far down that road do you suggest women go? I.e., if everything is going smooth sailing, you don't have any reason for concern that you would need any extra help. Like, would you actually say to buy a pump now or maybe just to research pumps or just have an awareness that they're there to buy afterwards? Like, I just feel like most women I'm encountering in their first time pregnancies are probably buying pumps these days. And I don't think they necessarily know why they're buying them. They don't have a plan to return to work ASAP. They're just kind of there as like a backup plan. Do you find that you're, you're seeing this as well? Like women buying pumps and getting them all sorted because they do start to feel like they're a necessary part of the breastfeeding journey? Yeah, I've actually, compared to my time in New Zealand, Australian mums are very pump focused. And Mm -hmm. I think the pump has that elusive promise of a bit more flexibility with breastfeeding. So I think that's partially where it stems from. But I think what we really advise in an ideal world is to avoid using a pump within that first six weeks if your breastfeeding is going well and you have enough milk supply for your baby. Too much pumping, pumping and just in general can be problematic if the pump isn't right, if it's not fitting you properly, if you're using really high suction. So there is a bit to it. I think, again, researching what you want to feel confident in purchasing and then purchase it when you need it. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit more about pumps and milk supply and and whatnot a little bit later. But before we move on from a purchasing, preparing point of view, what are your thoughts on the hucker? Just the catching one that catches. Yeah, the silicon. Yeah. I think that if you're not going to have, if you're not in a position to buy an electric pump, then that is a good option for you. My thing with the hucker is that it is overused and it's used incorrectly and can cause problems with breastfeeding. So particularly... When we see a baby breastfeeding from one breast and then the hucker is actually attached to the alternate breast, really what it comes down to is that that position of of that pump is going to be interfering with your baby's position at your breast, which is Mm. the most important thing. We want comfortable nipples and a really effective milk transfer. So I find it's a bit problematic in that sense. Yeah. And I can see how it becomes another thing that's on the mental load of like, oh, got to chuck the pump on. And like you said, if it's becoming awkward, I mm-hmm. guess the most important thing is building your confidence first. And then if you have the confidence to be able to manage that, then I guess then that's a better option. But if it's adding to your load and you're feeling overwhelmed or whatnot, I used to hucker with my third baby. And I had a really positive experience because I don't like pumping. I find it really tedious and laborious and I just feel like I don't have time for it. So I really liked the hucker personally because I felt like it caught a letdown that would otherwise go to waste. And I then kind of got to build up a freezer stash of extra milk just in case, but without having to then factor in a pump 
in between. So I know it's just a little bit of suction. I know that can influence the milk supply slightly. But for me personally, if you are a confident and experienced breastfeeder, I had a really good experience with it because I don't like pumping. And I found pumping to be like, oh, but when would I do it? And how's that going to affect my milk supply? And the hugger just felt, felt like this really easy thing I could chuck on. It was very cheap in comparison to, say, a pump. And yeah, I got a freezer full, which ironically I never ended up using. But <laughs> Made for some good barbs in the end. So yeah, that's my personal experience with a hucker. For anyone who is interested in that, that's how I used it. But it's really good to hear that, yes, if it is interfering with positioning and you're juggling all these things, the most important thing is that that baby is on the breast properly and is drawing out the milk as effectively as possible. If it's interfering with that, that's not a good thing. The last thing I want to talk about on this topic of preparing for breastfeeding is, and I've heard you speak about this before about why we can't rely on the hospital system for all of our breastfeeding, lactation, education. And this is not at all to throw shade towards the hospital system. This is just about understanding the system because at the end of the day, it can only provide so much to us. And if we're putting all our eggs in that basket, thinking that we're going to get everything we need out of it, we might be a little bit disappointed. And ironically, when I put out a call out to my audience to ask the questions for you, a lot of questions, which I was surprised about, a lot of questions came through saying, why did I not get this education from my midwives or my doctors on the ward? Or why did the pediatrician not come around and tell me about it? And so I guess there's a, a bit of a chasm at the moment between women's expectations of who is going to provide this information to them and the realities of them being disappointed because they're not getting this information. So could you maybe speak to what is the role of the hospital system when it comes to breastfeeding support and education? And why do you suggest that women maybe look outside of that for extra? Yeah, that's such an important point. I think it is about expectations and understanding the hospital system. So the hospital is there to provide basic services. If you're in a private hospital, you get a few days of extra stay. But if you're in a public hospital, you're there for 24 to 48 hours realistically how much can be done in that time often your milk isn't even in by that point so you, you haven't even got to that sort of what we call engorgement phase where the breast can really tighten up and make breastfeeding technique feel a little bit more challenging with the private hospital maybe you have a four or five um, night stay and it's a double-edged sword because you do get support for longer but you get multiple different people supporting you throughout each day and that's where that conflicting advice can become quite overwhelming mm -hmm. and I just want to say I, I've worked in hospitals before and I have many beautiful colleagues who I know just do their very best so there are really beautiful caring staff out there. The hospital environment can be very stressful for those staff though. It's busy, the workload is high just to explain from a, a private hospital perspective, you have five mothers and babies that you're looking after and you have about six hours of clinical care time. So it's an hour that you're spending with each mum and baby. So it doesn't leave a lot of time for really quality, in-depth, unique, tailored supports for that breastfeeding journey. Mm. And I think... When we, we sit back and think about, let's say you get an hour to spend, there's so many priorities. So if you've got mm -hmm. a perineal tear, if you've got an episiotomy, if you've got a C-section scar, pain is the priority at the end of the day because we need to make sure mum is functioning really well. So they're going to be focusing on your pain management and making sure you're opening your bowels and your bladder and like 
that's a really big priority to make sure that you're medically well enough to go home. Then there's the baby care. So teaching you how to change a nappy and how to bathe your baby and like all of the newborn care. Then there's the, a lot of midwives are helping settle babies if they're really, really unsettled or if you're too sore to get out of bed. And I can 100% see how breastfeeding becomes one of the lower priorities because if it's, oh, you seem good enough, then we don't really have the time to really like make sure that latch is perfect and whatnot. So yeah, like I said earlier, it's definitely not about throwing shade at the hospital. It's about equipping you with the knowledge that the hospital is really capped, the, the resources and the, the funding, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get maybe what you're after. So this is where it's important for you to be empowered and to take responsibility for your own care and maybe seek out a lactation consultant. Or what I've seen a lot of women doing recently is instead of buying fancy baby clothes is they chip in for a lactation consultant session for their girlfriend, sister, friend, instead of, yeah, buying things that maybe aren't as necessary, baby toys and whatnot. They say, hey, do you want us to chip in for this? Because I know it can be expensive, but that's such a great way to funnel your your money and your presence and your resources is to get some help external to the hospital environment because that is realistically what a lot of women are going to need when they go home is they're going to need that extra bit of support and tailored care. And I think that's really, really important for a successful breastfeeding journey. When you actually, you didn't mention the stats in this one. Can you just quickly mention those stats you told me about earlier about the breastfeeding rates in Australia? Because I think this will be really key for women to understand. Yeah, definitely. So we know that 98, around 98% of mums start breastfeeding and that drops very dramatically to around 60% at the three month mark. And then when your baby's six months old, it's under 30%. So there's a huge, huge decline in the breastfeeding statistics in Australia. Mm, and it would be so interesting. I know we can't do this study. It's not quite feasible right now, but imagine if everyone had that in-home lactation consultant session. Oh my gosh. Imagine where that would change the stats because I'm quite confident every single woman I know who has ended up having to finish their breastfeeding journey, it's often been premature for where they would have liked to get to. And it's because it just became too much. They didn't have the community, the resources. They didn't have the buffer to be able to. And it's not, and it is women take shame. I know and we're going to talk about that later, but it's because they just didn't have enough help. Um, they didn't have enough education and resources. So imagine if we could provide that for women and up those stats, because I'm, I'm confident a lot of those women would have loved to continue if they could, but they just, they couldn't shoulder that all on their own in the end, which is really, really hard to manage, I know. So let's do our part to improve these statistics. Hey mamas, I really hope that you loved that first episode in our Feeding Our Babes podcast series. And I hope that now, particularly if you're a first time mom or maybe breastfeeding didn't go so well for you last time, I hope you're now feeling much more prepared about the things you can do right now to start getting yourself prepared and supported for breastfeeding. I think it's so important. And I really hope if you were feeling overwhelmed with what do I buy? What are all the tools I need to have? Which pump, which this, which that? I really hope that part of the discussion was helpful to 
to you because I know myself, I was so overwhelmed with what do I need to do to get myself prepared for breastfeeding? Do I need to buy these things beforehand or whatnot? So I really hope that if that was you, that you're also now feeling much calmer and much clearer about what things you may need to support yourself with. Now, just a reminder, if you did want to grab Jolene's preparing for breastfeeding guide, you can get 15% off with the code physio Laura. So definitely go check that out. You can find her on Instagram at jwp.care. And as always, I love to hear from you. So please jump on over to my social media at physio Laura and let me know what your best takeaway was from this episode. And please share any other advice or things that you've used in the past that has really helped you prepare for breastfeeding. I think it's really beautiful if we can all share our knowledge and our advice on this topic, because it can be a real minefield for women. And if you want to be supported by me, you know where I live by now, hopefully you can find me over at the pregnancy posse that is my online membership program where i support women week by week throughout their pregnancy from when you first pee on a stick all the way through to when you give birth so i've done and thought about and tailored exercise programs for every single week of pregnancy to take the guesswork out of it for you and i've also got a whole library of resources to help support you and prepare you for birth so whilst you're in the preparation mindset right now listening to how can i prepare for breastfeeding if you're also wanting to prepare yourself for the end of pregnancy birth and beyond i encourage you to come and check out the pregnancy posse you can find out more at thepregnancyposse.com and trial the program for seven days and make sure you subscribe to the pregnancy with physio laura podcast because remember this is episode one of a four-part feeding our babes podcast series so we have three epic episodes coming up and i don't want you to miss out so make sure you subscribe wherever you are today mama i hope you're having a wonderful day and i will talk to you soon